You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. So I'm I'm Pastor Jason. It's great to be with you this morning. We've been uh, in a short series here where we've we've been talking about Uh, looking backwards and also looking forward as we anticipate a change in the the transition from Pastor Bob to Pastor Spencer Smith as that's upcoming. Sorry, Grant, I'm just going to adjust that just for a sec. Um, So I was going to tell you, a couple weeks ago I was standing in our kitchen helping my wife Anna as we were getting ready for supper. And we have a round table in uh, in our dining room with six chairs at it, which is great because there's six of us in our family, the two of us, and we've got four kids. As I was looking at that um, table, and I was thinking about this summer, this upcoming summer, because our oldest son, Moses, has been away at college, but he's coming home for the summer, and our second son, Asa, is getting ready to go off to school, and he's going to go to, um, he's going off to Nebraska in, in August, and so I said, Anna, I said, we've got a 60-day window that's going to be very unique for us. It's probably the last time where all six of us will sit at this table and share meals and life together because stuff is starting to change for Moses and we don't know if he'll ever come home again for a summer and Ace is going to go off and we don't know what that's going to look up, look like and Anna, the saint that she is, had one word for me, shut up. Like any good mother should, looking at that reality going, oh, what, what pain, right? Like, like, I love my kids, and yet I see what is happening to them, and the world is just about to change. And she recognized in that moment, like, it's good. Change is good, and it's necessary, and it's healthy, and yet there's something about it that is also somewhat painful, And the reality is, is that no matter where you're at, and if you're the person leading the change, you can be the one that's calling for change, and yet change all along the the way in life, there's something where we recognize that for all of us, we'd lose something. And so we have to admit that up front. We have to admit that there's some sense of loss when change occurs. And at the same time, there's some very exciting stuff that comes around, things that we don't anticipate, things that we don't see coming. There's new life and things that, that we just don't know about yet. But there's goodness out there. And I love the fact that we sang that song because God is good, right? He's good all the time. And he, he takes us and he leads us forward. And so today, just as we did last week, we're going to think about how how. God led the people forward, and they underwent a change. Last week, Pastor Bob led us through the, the first story of the change transition between Moses and Joshua from one leader to the next. And one of the things that happened in that change was Joshua said, he said to the priests, and he said to some people, he said, go down into the river and pull up 12 stones and bring them out of the river, and we're going to make a pile, a little altar. And so they built that. And people said, what do those stones mean? They said to Joshua, he said, when you look at this pile of stones, which represent all 12 tribes of Israel, we want to remember and we want to pass along to our kids that the Lord was with us and the Lord is going to take us into the future. 
The Lord who brought us to this place is the Lord who's going to take us into the future. And so as, as Pastor Bob last week talked about the 12 stones they brought up, he also talked about the 12 or, or some stones that have been significant to Schweitzer. And he, he mentioned six of those, six significant things that, that have influenced Schweitzer. He talked about vision and sacrifice and pastors or leaders and empowerment and, and being with and for Springfield and new voices. He talked about how God has been leading Schweitzer over these past 70 years. And God, who's led us this far, who's, who's given us some of those elements to celebrate and to rejoice over, is going to lead us on into the future. And so today, we want to pick up that story in Joshua, where we think about the 12 stones and we think about what God has done. We want to think about what does it look like to embrace a new leader? What does it look like? to receive a new leader and to get on board with where the new leader takes us. So if you have your Bibles, it, <clears throat> I'd like to invite you to turn to Joshua 4. We're going to start telling the story at Joshua 4:14, and then we're going to read on down through verse 24. That day, the Lord made Joshua a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites, and for the rest of his life they revered him as much as they had revered Moses. The Lord had said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the riverbed. So Joshua gave the command. As soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came up out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. The people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. And it was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean? And then you will call them. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before, the eyes, before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea, when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. The word of God for the people of God. Pastor Jim, can you toss me a water there? Thanks. In this text, <clears throat> there's... Um, Three or four things that I just would love to draw your attention to as we think about embracing a new leader and saying farewell to a leader that's led so well. The first of the things that we want to point your attention to is the fact that there's a stepping aside of the previous leader. Do you ever read the scriptures and find significant humor in them? You should, because there is always humor hidden within the pages of the text, within the, within the lines of the text. In this, in this particular, if you look at verse 15, <coughs> or actually, it's actually verse 14, the writer tells us this little line. He said, they looked at Joshua and they found a new leader and they revered Moses. Now, if you don't bust up laughing, you don't know the full story of, of the people of God with Moses. Because the last thing that oftentimes the people of God did with Moses was revere him. If you go back and you look at the story of Exodus, Moses is called to be a leader. He stands up and he says, I'm going to lead you out of, out of Egypt and out of slavery. They get out of 
out of Egypt. They get into the, into the wilderness, and then they go, hey, Moses, we want to go back home. We don't want to follow you anymore. They get out in the wilderness, out in the desert some more. And like Moses, we're hungry. And the story between Moses and the people of Israel, time and time again, is like they come to him with a complaint. They have an objection. They're like, you are not a very good leader. And so when the, when the person here says they revered Moses, there's a little joke along the way. Like, reverence, following, it looks, it doesn't always look pretty. It's not always uh, significantly uh, great. So they... <clears throat> The writer says they revered Moses. And Moses lived to 120 years of age. And the writer of Deuteronomy says that he was still strong and he still had great eyesight. But the Lord said, Moses, it's time for you to step aside. And so he did. The other thing here within the text is that the priests are described as people who carry the Ark of the Covenant across the river. And they stand in the middle of the river so the people can get there. And then they come on up out of the river with the Ark of the Covenant. Pastor Bob told me, he said, I was doing some research into the priests. And I found out that the priests had to step aside too, just as Moses did. He said, most priests in the, in, the, in the early law could serve between the ages of 25 and 50. And then they had to step aside and make way for new leaders to come alongside and to serve God. As we think about all of us, whether we're within this confines, within this community of Schweitzer or we, the other places that we live, you know that there's a moment, there's a time for leaders to serve, and then there's a moment when leaders need to say, you know what, it's, I think it's time to pass the baton to somebody else. I've run and I've led, but there's something else that's got to happen in this place. And so there's a time, an appropriate time to step aside and to do that well and to do it as well as we can. Pastor Bob and Spencer Smith, they've been trying to make this transition good. And so they sat down recently, and they had a bit of a conversation. And Pastor Bob just wanted to hear Spencer's heart. And we captured that conversation, and so we'd like to share that with you, that sense of passing the baton in this conversation. What do you like the most about ministry? What really uh, turns you... Uh on uh, spiritually or when do you feel most alive when you're doing those things? Well, the ministry of the Word is the thing that I, I love the most. And so when I can teach people the Scripture, I feel like that's my primary calling is to teach people how to trust God through the Bible. And uh, Eugene Peterson talks about how every pastor has one sermon. My one sermon is trust God. With every aspect of your life, just trust God. So I want to teach people, this is my own heart, I want, I want people to know the Word, I want people to know how to read the Word, I want people to know how to dive into that, to chew on that, to, to live that in their life, to apply it to their life. So when I see people, especially people who are, who are new or don't have experience with the scripture, starting to engage God through, through the word of God, I just, I think that's the best thing I can possibly see. When I see people get involved in Bible studies and any sort of hunger in that way, I just think is, is just incredible as they're learning how to, I can, God, I can take God at his word because he's trustworthy. And the only way you learn God is trustworthy, I think, is through the Word. When you start to see how, how reliable the Word of God is. I can see you just come more alive as you talk about that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Susan and I are real excited about you guys coming on. And uh, I'm just saying, uh, go God, go Schweitzer, go Spencer, and go Cardinals. Go Royals. <laughs> good? That was awesome. Oh, man. 
some work to do. One of, the, one of the things that needs to happen when there's a shift in leadership, not only does a leader have to be able to step aside, but also the people that have been following have to let the leader go, right? And so you may have to let Bob's love and, of the Cardinals go. No, that's just not a, I'm gonna let Spencer die on that hill. He can die on that hill. Um, but you gotta, let, you gotta let a leader go when they go. And if you've ever been a part of a community that had a great leader but then hasn't been willing, when a new leader comes and they haven't embraced new leadership, it's tough. It's hard. You've gotta let a leader go when they, when they go. One of the other things that we notice out of this text is that new crossings happen with new leadership. If you go back and you read through the text um, really closely, you'll find that the, the Jordan River that the people cross in that moment is compared to the Red Sea. There's a comparison that takes place um, in terms of broadly what's happening, in terms of what God is doing. And leaders tend to be compared to the previous leader, or they are compared to other leaders who've, who've come before them. One of the things that I, uh, just a couple things out of that, that video between Bob and Spencer, both of them have this real love of God, right? They both love God. They both love to see people transformed when they get in touch with the God of the scriptures. And they both love the scriptures. They love the reality that people can come to the scripture and find God speaking present into their own life. And yet at the same time, even though there's some comparisons, there's also some uniqueness. And we understandably see the first uniqueness between Bob and Spencer. One has a love for the cardinals. One has a love for the royals. But there's going to be other uniquenesses as well, which is good because we have no idea what new crossings are in front of us. We have no idea what new adventures await us. And, and yet there's going to have to be trust in a leader to take us across rivers and to go into new adventures, to see things that we haven't seen before. Recently, I shared with our staff an article that talked about, is church as we know it today going to be the same 10 or 15 years from now? How do you take something like artificial intelligence and what is the, what is the ramifications of AI within the life of a church? I mean, those kinds of questions are out in front of us and new leadership has to tackle and cross those rivers. So we have to begin to trust. We have to say, you've been tapped. You've been tapped and there's going to be rivers that are out ahead, just like there have been rivers behind us. We've not feared that river. We don't need to fear the rivers to come. And so, in the midst of this story, Joshua is recognized as a leader, somebody that God has brought to the forefront for this time and for this place and for these people. He's recognized as a leader. How do we, how do you, how do the people there recognize Joshua as a leader? How do we recognize somebody like Spencer as a leader? Well, there's three marks of leadership that I'd really like to put in front of us. First of all is character. And character being ultimately somebody who loves God and loves people. If you go back and you read the story of, of Joshua, and the story of Joshua really begins in the book of Exodus. It's a long story. It's a, it's a story that keeps popping up over the course of those books. Joshua is somebody who spends his evening sleeping in the tent of meeting 
Uh, tent of meeting is a place, or the tabernacle, is a place where God would come and he would meet with Moses. And there were very few things that were in the tent of meeting. There was a table, there were some candlesticks, there was the Ark of the Covenant, and then every night, Joshua would make his bed there. And there would be times when Moses would come in and he would meet with God and Joshua would be present and he would hear that conversation. Joshua is somebody who who has a great deal of character. He's somebody who loves God because he spent time with God. He spent time in front of God's face and he loves the people of God. Over the course of his life up until this point, Joshua is somebody who, who... will not flinch when, when Moses says, you need to go out in front and you need to lead the people. You need to lead the people into battle sometimes. Joshua does it because he loves God and he loves people. He's somebody of character. He's also somebody of diligence. And he's somebody who has a great deal of faith. One of the stories as we look back into the, into the back story of Joshua is that he was one of 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land early actually 40 years before they crossed the river. He sent Joshua and 11 other spies into the promised land to scope it out and to bring back a report and to say, is this the time where we should go in? 10 of the spies came back and said, Moses, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do this. The people who live in the land are giants. We're just like a bunch of little ants. The, <clears throat> the land has got all kinds of goodness, but we will be squashed. Let's don't go. But Joshua was one of two, he and Caleb, who stood up and said, no. He said, I'm a person of faith. He said, God has led us to this place. God is with us on this journey, and we ought to go into the land. Joshua wasn't listened to in that moment, but he still had faith. He had faith that there was a time where God would bring them back to this place, and they would go in. And so when we look to a new leader, what is it that makes Joshua somebody that's recognized as a leader? He's somebody who loves God. He's somebody who's got a great deal of diligence and he does what he's asked to do. He's somebody of great faith. He's somebody of great faith and he says, if God is on our side, we just need to to move forward. Well, the people are ready to follow somebody like Joshua. How do you, how do I become somebody who's a good follower of somebody else? How do we live out of that sense that here's a leader and we've, we've been called to follow after them. Barbara Kellerman wrote a book in the early 20-teens. She called it Followership. She knew that, you know, a lot of people love to write books about leadership and leadership sells. But all of us, Barbara Kellerman says, all of us at some point along the way are a follower of somebody else. She says it's the human condition. We all have to follow so how can we follow and follow well? At the back of her book, she's got a few items that, that she shares, a, a list of some things. And the list is like 30 things long. I've just got a few things to, uh, to share with you about leadership. Let's not go with that one. Let's go to the next slide. <clears throat> Here's a list of things that Kellerman talks about. She talks about grace. Grace is that reality that we give people space to try stuff and to fail. I think grace is something that we give to Pastor Jim a lot. (laughs) And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I'm still stuck on Joshua was following Jesus. I mean, and to be truthful, 
The Hebrew, the Hebrew name that Jesus would have been called by is Yeshua, Joshua. So we know the, we know the Aramaic and the Greek of, of Jesus, but he would have been. So Joshua is a namesake of Jesus. But grace is that ability to try stuff. And along the way, you don't hit all the beats just right, but you try it. And it's pretty good. Latitude is that ability to give people space to explore things. Explore places where they've, they've never been. And that's one of the things, as a follower of somebody else, you can give a leader. You can gift them the gift of latitude to say, you know what? We've been going here in this direction, and I'm not really sure where we're going to go next, but explore those places. One of the other things that a leader needs that a follower can give is trust. You, you know, sometimes people talk about how somebody's got to earn your trust. Is life ever long enough for somebody to fully earn your trust? But you have the capacity to give trust to somebody else. And it's a real gift to be a recipient of that. Any leader who's given trust has got to guard that and cherish that and treat that well. Followers can give nerve. They can give the gift of faith. Nerve is... A number of things. It's like Joshua when he's one of, the, one of the two, where he says, no, the Lord's called us to go into that land. We should go into that land. Nerve or faith says we need to do it. Nerve or faith is also like the prophet Nathan who comes up to David when Nathan as a leader has failed. And he says, Nathan, there's a problem. And the problem exists in your own house. The problem exists within your own heart. Nerve or faith is, is the capacity to really be behind somebody, and yet at the same time, to be able to come up to a leader and say, I've got to talk to you about something that's really hard, but we have to talk about it. So that's a gift that followers can give to other people. Oh, go back to that list. Sorry. We can, um, we can give prayer. Prayer is probably the most significant gift that we can give to, to somebody else who's been charged with leading us, right? Because of all the things that we may want to say to a new leader, all the th- thoughts that we have, at the end of the day, we really hope that the leader is listening to God and that we and they would be on the same page and that God would be in our midst leading us. God would be taking us where he wants us to go. This text ends, the last point of this text, the last line says this. They did all this. They stacked up the stones. They named what the stones were. They had their conversations. And then the writer says, Joshua did all this so that the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so that we might fear the Lord our God forever. The writer says, in this movement of the people of Israel from Egypt into the promised land, yeah, the people had to walk and they had to follow Moses. Then they had to make a transition in terms of following Joshua. But at the end of the day, the person who made it all happen was God himself. And it was the Lord that was leading the people of Israel. 
as I think about the stones that Pastor Bob talked about, and about how God has been powerfully working in this place. Brothers and sisters, God has been leading Schweitzer. And the God who has been leading Schweitzer is the God who will lead Schweitzer. And what we pray for, what we long for, what, what this community needs more than anything else is for the people of God and for those who've been tasked with leadership to say, the Lord's hand is powerful. We can be people who follow God, but the Lord's hand is powerful. And unless the Lord builds this house, we can work in vain. And we don't want to work in vain. We want to work with God. We want to see the power of God's hand in us and in this place. So as you see the stones this morning, as you think back across your own history, your own story, I'd invite you to be a person who gives thanks. Gives thanks that God has been present in your life. Gives, gives thanks that God has been present in the life of Schweitzer. Give thanks that God has, has weaved his story into your story and Schweitzer's story into God's story. Give thanks. And give thanks that God is still weaving us into the story that he's writing for our future. Kind Father, we give you thanks that you're with us, that you're for us, that you lead us, that you send leaders to us when we need leaders. We give thanks for the leaders that have gone before us. We pray that you'd bless them. And we pray that you would help us be followers as we move into this new chapter who are good and holy and truthful. And help us walk with joy. In Christ's name we pray, amen.